I can tell you that I feel like I moved from having to prove myself, you know, when you're told you can't do something and you don't have what it takes to feeling like I did it. I, not that I've arrived, you know, you can always strive to do better, but I feel like I'm more purpose driven. I'm not trying to prove myself anymore. And so I share my story a lot and I go around and, and speak at conferences and local events and local organizations and just share my story to try to empower and encourage and influence people, you know, to jump off the ledge mm-hmm. like like we did and get around a tribe of people that are challenging you and pushing you and believing in you. And sometimes that means abandoning the tribe that you have. Sometimes you feel yes. like people got plucked out of your life, but new people get transplanted. And that's what happened with us was the intentionality of surrounding ourselves with people that were more successful and that were going places we wanted to go and not necessarily in our industry and not just successful in business, but personal. I wanted to have a beautiful marriage and personal life too, not just have money, you know, ching, ching, ching in, in, in my bank account. It was much more than that. You found the Real Estate Law Podcast because real estate is more than just pretty pictures and law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. If you're a real estate professional or looking to build real estate expertise, then welcome to the conversation and discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Law Podcast. Rory, we are going to have a fun conversation today. We are going to be talking with somebody from Oklahoma, one of the top agents in Oklahoma who's been all over television programs. And I can't wait to hear about some of the shows that she's been on because they extend far beyond real estate shows as well. Yep. And, you know, I'm excited that we're going to bring to life a little bit, a life in real estate and what that means, what that can look like, and hopefully have some fun along the way. So Jason, could you introduce today's guest? Yeah, I think that's actually a good episode title. Like I'm going to have to write that one down, but bring, you know, bring to life the fun of real estate. This is Denise Schroeder and Denise is out of Oklahoma. Denise, welcome to the Real Estate Law Podcast. I am so excited to be here. This is so this you, is incredible. You're in Oklahoma City, is that right? I am. I am in like Tornado Alley. Yeah. That's what I call it. <laughs> oh. Rory, we've had a guest on from Oklahoma before cuz I know I've mm-hmm. talked about Oklahoma uh, cuz I've been there twice been to Tulsa, and then I've been to some casino right over the border from Texas, but never to Oklahoma City. Someday it's like the go. sixth fastest growing city in the nation with mm-hmm. like, if you're a foodie, it's a heaven and it has literally the world's most friendliest people. And they've had a very active, um, both Oklahoma City and Tulsa have had very active um, encouragement to bring more and more professionals to the city and really showcasing what they have. Yes, I agree. I mean, it's changed so much like in the last 10, 15 years that when we've done HUTV House Hunters episodes, they've told us like when they've come to film our downtown and stuff, they're like, we just left, you know, Phoenix and you guys' downtown area blows them away. Um, Just our maps program and different things we've done in our city. So I'm really proud of everything that that we have. And a lot of people are moving here to Oklahoma because we are like the fourth most affordable place to live in the country as well. Mm-hmm. With inflation and all the costs going up, people are are moving here. So yeah, it's a part of the evil part of the country despite the tornadoes, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But you know, hey, who doesn't love Twister? That was a great movie. It was. And they're doing another one right now, filming here as we speak. (laughs) Denise, how do you get on shows on HGTV? I mean, like you are one of the top agents in Oklahoma, so maybe that's how they found you. But that is not even the extent of your experience on television. But, you know, that's a good starting point. Like, how did that all happen? 
I think growing up, I've always been, um, I went to college on a vocal scholarship. I've always been in dance, very performative, you know, theater, you know, all the things. So I'm just used to being, you know, in the spotlight. It's just kind of where I feel alive and at home. And so I decided I wanted to marry, you know, the real estate world of marketing and world marketing and your social media is your theater. Like Mm -hmm. it's your show every day. And so I started out in 1999. I got on the Oprah Winfrey show and I had written a letter to her just about some hormone issues I was having after having my second baby, not expecting to ever hear back. And I got a call back um, in an hour and they um, flew us out to the show and I got up there and told my story and I had no idea I would be on the stage with Oprah the entire show. And she whispers to me and she says, you're here because you're not afraid to be messy. You're not afraid to be vulnerable and share. And if you will just lock eyes with me and just have a girlfriend chat and forget about the audience, you have the ability to impact millions of people that are walking in the same shoes you are. And that was the beginning of how I realized the power of storytelling even when it's your messy, it doesn't always have to be the highlight reel. People are going to relate more to you when you're sharing your struggles and your climb and your grit and who you really are. It's not just sold the house, you know, do a backhand spring in front of a sold sign. It's not all glamour. You guys know in real estate, it's like 98% uh, grit and 2% like elation. And, you know, so we just, we really had fun. And I spoke at a Keller Williams, um, my first year, one of their um, international conventions. And somebody came up to me afterwards, a lady, and she said, I just filmed an HGTV episode and you would be perfect. Here's a contact. Well, I contacted them and they said, Oklahoma, that's like rednecks. Do you guys even have teeth? You know, that's the way we were kind of treated. Like, why would we go there? You're not coastal. You're not really, there's nothing really interesting there. And so I persisted. I sent my buyer who was from Boston, um, Nantasket or something. Does that sound mm-hmm. familiar? Yes, it does. Um, he's it a does. military guy that got transferred to Oklahoma in about five minutes after I sent my buyer, who was a nice looking guy, single dad, you know, veteran. She said, we'll do it. So they came and this was in 2014. First time we've gotten them to come here. They could not believe how much house you get for the money here. And they loved our city so much. We've we've had four exclusive episodes and mm-hmm. they love coming to Oklahoma City. And so I think when people tell you, no, you can't do something, you just have to push. We did the Steve Harvey show to backtrack just a little bit because this stuff isn't going to make a lot of sense if I don't lay it out in order, if you don't mind. 23 years ago, I got told I could never make it in real estate. I was in a relationship. Um, I was married for almost 10 years with two small kids and my kids had just gotten, you know, both into school and I was ready to, you know, kind of answer my calling. I'd worked in property management years before and I had somebody tell me, we don't want to lose you, but the natural progression for you would be to get your real estate license. You're, it's your calling. And so that seed was planted, but it wasn't, you know, the right time. I was met with, you can never make it. You'll never stand out. You don't have what it takes. Why would we want to invest in money to line the garage walls with superficial pictures of your name on it with no yard to stake it in? Like, what a dumb idea. So I shelved the idea for about 
15, 20 years, you know, um, then I met my FedEx guy. I married him, blended five teenagers. We quit our jobs on the same day, got into real estate and we didn't have a paycheck for seven months. And I was doing, you know, all the things that we got taught, open houses, telling everyone and their brother and their brother's brother, we're not the FedEx guy and the secretary, we're your real estate professionals, which was a hard shift, you know, when you're changing careers paths. So after being told I could never, ever make it, I told Troy, I said, we are going to be different. I want to pave our own lane. And I've always been, like I said, performative, very quirky, very um, unique, kind of spicy personality. And so I just decided I don't care what anyone's thinking. I'm just going to do me. And I think I'm going to be blessed for it. And so we just have started from the very beginning doing kind of outrageous things. And we use the power of storytelling and kind of doing a documentary with our clients along the way. And it it's just been amazing. And we have, you know, relationships that transcend the transaction. We went on Steve Harvey. We were blended family experts. Um, after everyone told us we were crazy to blend five teenagers, then we became the experts. Mm-hmm. And um, we went on for dangers of teen technology. And the reason why I tell you that is because you mentioned it earlier. We have done a lot of TV, but it doesn't all relate to real estate. But we're in when we're in the media, it always says Denise Schroeder, Oklahoma City real estate agent on Food Network, Worst Cooks of America. When it's my ticker, when I'm on TV on the Food Network, every time we're doing an outtake, it says Denise Schroeder, realtor. So it always links back to these crazy realtors are on, you know, all these different shows. And now we're hosting a show called The American Dream Selling Oklahoma City. So we host a show that's on on TV and we get to highlight like local businesses and charities and unique real estate. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of come full circle for us. And it's, I just am so glad that I finally didn't allow somebody, you know, to steal my dream because they didn't have one of their own. And it was kind of 20 years delayed, but honestly, it was really right on time. Yeah. Rory, oh my God, I have so many questions and so many things to unpack. And sorry, I didn't breathe there for a minute. (laughs) No, that is awesome. I mean, like, I want to break that down a little bit, all right? Because you mentioned something, first of all, being on Oprah is quite an accomplishment, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Is Oprah still on? She's the whole network, right? But the show's not on anymore, but yeah, she has the network. But again, yeah, I mean, obviously we know the power of Oprah. You're telling me she sat down to prep you. She kind of mm-hmm. looked you in the eyes and, and said what she's told you. And she said, you're going to have the power to influence lots of people, be vulnerable, and you can tell your story and you'll be fine. And that stuck with you. It right? Did. That stuck with you for decades. I mean, that that's not just the power of an um, influential uh, spirit like Oprah, but it's the words that she told you. And then you did influence lots of people with whatever you said on that episode that millions of people watched. Um, another thing you mentioned in there, and 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 Rory, we've heard this before from other guests, is just, you know, being vulnerable, being irreverent, being yourself. Yeah. Like, I think that's the easiest way to kind of progress in this business, isn't it? I mean, absolutely. I mean, I kind of wish I want to take Oprah's quote right there and put it up on my computer screen just when I'm filming little bomb bomb videos to send to clients. Um, <laughs> just so remember that it's really just about being authentic in in yourself. And I hope, I mean, I selfishly hope all the agents in my office are listening to um, to that advice because really this this business is not it's only a small part about the houses that we sell. It's about the relationships that we start and maintain and uh, deepen over time. And I don't know how you can do that 
to any level of success without being a little bit vulnerable and a little bit messy yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, selling houses is a byproduct of what we do. I mean, we serve and love people. And when I went through my divorce, I went through a $50,000 custody battle. So I am more well-versed in family law than I want to be. But I felt like for me in my life, God used these mistakes and what I felt like at the time were failures and and trials I went through to turn that around to now I decided to, you know, be a certified divorce real estate expert and family law mediator and help people really navigate through one of the most difficult parts of my life, which was selling my family home. Mm -hmm. And um, we've been able to walk people through it and we get appointed by the court and we get referrals from judges and attorneys. And it's probably three times the work of a normal real estate transaction, but it is so much much more rewarding than anything else that I've ever done because I have this deep-seated empathy for what I went through. And so Mm -hmm. now I get to help others through that. And it's, it's been really incredible. Yeah. We've, we've spoken about uh, the importance of niching or, you know, the riches mm-hmm. are in the niches as people would say, you know, this is a niche that you've lived. Like it's an authentic niche. It's not like you just decided to pick a niche and serve it, which is, there's no problem with doing that. Like if you find a market that maybe you can't relate to yourself, but you learn it really well and you meet the right people in it, then you could serve that market well. But this is one that you have a lot of empathy um, because you live that, that was your life. So you have that experience, not just as a realtor, you know, but as someone that's gone through that process of divorce and selling your family home, you know, and now you have this great niche of people. I'm sure you have a pretty good pipeline of customers that come yes. that way. I mean, like, I think that it's it's not a secret that people market to people that are getting divorced all the time. Right. We had a friend whose yeah. husband unexpectedly passed away and nine real estate agents called him within a couple of weeks, you know, like. Yeah. And to me that, you know, it can be misconceived as ambulance chasing and that's not, that's not me. I mean, no. my phone rings organically um, and, and, and people, I understand everyone markets differently. Everybody does things differently for me. I haven't had to do that. The business has come, but I also portray myself as you know, a divorce real estate resource. So, you know, I'm doing things in my reels and videos where people know, okay, she has knowledge of how the real estate transaction and the family law process, they are going on at the same time and they're intersecting. And you've got to have someone that understands and can navigate both of those things. It's imperative putting your, you know, largest investment. And a lot of times all their money's tied up with their equity, including Mm -hmm. how they're going to pay their attorney. Right. So, right. Talk a little bit about building content like that because you were putting content out there related to that subject, related to, Mm -hmm. you know, you're getting divorced, you know, here are some things you should think about. It's definitely not ambulance chasing, but it's a very soft way to build your expertise over time. Like, you know, what, uh, what are some tactics that other people can do if they want to kind of go down that road, realizing that it's not going to be a direct response. Like I did this, therefore call me. It's an, it's a long-term thing, right? I had a situation just today. I had a listing and I had a buyer that um, wanted to back out and the guy loved the house. We were kind of puzzled. Everything was going really smooth. And um, the realtor said, now look, the attorney just advised him. He's been trying to get divorced for two years. And he said, he's got to withdraw and release the contract. So I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well, what are the, what are the reasons? Well, the wife, all of a sudden, you know, he's still legally married. The wife decides last minute, she's not going to sign this exculpatory clause to not have marital interest in the house. And, you know, so he can move forward, but not have her attached to it. 
Well, I found out in digging that the Oklahoma state law from talking to my title escrow closer, that the law changed in Oklahoma 18 months ago, and they do not require that that spouse signs the mortgage and an exculpatory clause. But however, each lender with their underwriting guidelines, you know, each individual lender, they have their own requirements. So I talked to three lenders this morning and two of them still require it and one of them doesn't. But what, what can I do? Go back to that buyer's agent and say, is he willing to switch lenders? I have one where we don't have to have that signed. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, having that knowledge because divorce real estate is a different animal. It just is. And if you don't know how to navigate it, it doesn't mean you're a terrible realtor, but in my opinion, it's a disservice for you to be trying to navigate that if you have no knowledge. Rory, talk a little bit about the law that she was talking, you know, talking through where she was basically saying that she did some digging and she found some, you know, some There's always a loophole, right? right? There's always a loophole. I mean, this is where professionals, if they're willing to be creative and put in the work can really set themselves apart. All of this transaction, it's a web of federal law, state laws and state laws vary wildly from state to state, you know, underwriting terms and, and rules. But if you're willing to dig in and see the actual root of the problem, you can sometimes oftentimes get past the no, the hard no. And that's that's your value. I mean, some transactions are going to be nice and easy. I mean, you're barely going to have to do anything to move the ball, ball along. You really earn your money and you earn your reputation in those moments where you're willing to do the work and to just look beyond just the no and get, get what your client needs. Mm -hmm. We have a case right now that we got contacted in December. Think about how long ago that was. Yep. And it's so bad. There's no children involved and they both spent over a hundred grand in real estate fees. And I'm just like, how and why? But we got pulled in and a third attorney, which was a communication receiver, he's not even a real estate attorney. He is just dealing with the real estate piece. And so we charged an extra half percent to deal with this. If I would have known I would be dealing with this months later and it was going to be this situation where I was li I'm literally being harassed by one of the parties that is wanting me to sway everybody. Her attorney has fired her. So all mm -hmm. of a sudden she thinks I'm her attorney and I'm like, I'm not giving you legal advice because yeah. I'm not going to lose my, my real estate license. But there's a lot of complexities that go along with it and so much extra work. So before you get into wanting to do a certification of really any kind, just make sure that you're going to be committed because mm -hmm. it is a lot of extra work. And oftentimes it can, you know, if you don't let things roll off your back, you can kind of internalize some of some of the stress and panic with your with your clients. Have you ever been hired, Rory, as like a communication receiver? It's rare. I've never, we've never had it. I've never been hired as such, but when I've I see that role sometimes when I'm working on the other side of a transaction from a divorce. You know, each side is, has their own divorce attorneys. They're putting everything um, together and really buttoned up and in a much different mood than the, the happy buyers on the other side of the transaction. And your job is just to, to hear everything that everybody's saying and put it together and just kind of cut through the, the unnecessary parts of it and just, just to deliver on the, on the product. But no, I've never mm -hmm. been hired specifically just to be the communication receiver. Yeah, it's been interesting to say the least. Um, Denise, let's talk a little bit about rebranding yourself because you did mention mm -hmm. that also um, in your introduction where 
uh, you know, par- part of it obviously was the Chiron on the bottom of the screen when you're on HGTV saying that mm-hmm. you're a realtor. But, you know, when you switched from the work you were doing beforehand and your husband was the FedEx guy and mm-hmm. now suddenly you're real. The darling, sexy FedEx guy, I might say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he is. Talk about that rebranding process, like your friends, your family, when you're suddenly introducing yourself as mm-hmm. somebody that they didn't know you as. Like, right. was that a challenge? How did you overcome that? I mean, we went to every educational class that was humanly possible. We wanted to be as competent as we could be. So we were, you know, they always say, "Don't you always think, oh, I can't get off the ledge until I know everything. Well, you're never going to know everything. For seven months, we didn't have a paycheck, like I said. In the last five months of the year, we sold 40 homes. And so that was a lot of business, you know, all at once. And I remember calling my dad, who is a farmer and he's never worked for the man, you know, got his college education, went right back into the family business. And I called him and I said, we're doing everything. We're door knocking. We're doing open houses. We're calling everybody. We're planting all these seeds and nothing's happening. Like, am I really doing what I'm supposed to do? Have I waited 20 years and nothing's popping? And he said to me, what have you watched me do my, you know, your entire life? And I said, well, besides watch the weather, um, because farmers watch the weather, you know, all the time. He said, you've watched me get up and plow and nurture and plant and spray for weeds, but you watch me do things for months and months and months before the harvest. And he said, I can't wait to see your harvest because you are planting such an abundant crop. You just have to be faithful. And I remember that day kind of like filled my tank because we all go through days where we want to quit. It's like, you can't do anything more than we're doing. And, you know, the results just aren't happening. But I learned in that, that there's, you know, there's a lot of reward in the grit and Mm -hmm. just kind of staying faithful and just doing the actions every single day. I will tell you, we've been doing this since 2013. And every single day I do the same activities for marketing. And now even more because I'm doing reels, I'm doing TikToks, I'm doing stories. I'm, I've added all these things that social media, you know, platforms have added, you know, kind of to our to-do list. So it's every single day, just the consistency, you know, we've, we've never backed down. Um, I think for us, we like, you know, when you go to a closing, we want to make our clients feel special. So like when family or friends come to our house, I would always roll out red carpet. I've always been, you know, like I said, theater, performing. So I roll out this red carpet with the stanchions and everything. I have rose petals on my guest's bed, mm-hmm. notes, little mints. Well, I thought, why wouldn't we treat our clients that way? So we've just extended how we treat our friends and family into our business. And so when we have client appreciation parties, we have red carpet. They are photographed like they are the stars. And when they're buying and selling a house, we want them to feel so important and so special. And we want to celebrate every single detail with them. So when we go to closings, we do crazy, you know, closing props and we do powder cannons and we do mimosas and champagne and Rory, if you got the house and, you know, like in COVID, it was like multiple offers. If you get the house, you're lucky, you know? So we go to your house with like published clearinghouse style. You might be too young to know this, but like big posters like, you got the house, (laughs) you know? And we do dance and dash at Christmas. So we're like, um, we're literally doing dances, choreographed dances when we drop off Christmas gifts. Um, We're doing things that, you know, and then they're posting them. Like we're creating these moments 
And that's what it's that's what it's about. Um, have you guys ever heard of the Savannah Bananas? Yes. Of course. Yes. Okay. So Savannah Bananas, this is a perfect story about anybody that's listening. If you've ever read a book or had someone that influenced you, I read this book of Jesse Cole. He's the he's the owner of Savannah Bananas. And he bought this broke baseball team and had, I think he sold two season tickets in a three-month period. And he had like 290 fans, like ridiculous. And he decided he was going to go major league baseball, but he got hurt. And that's when he, you know, got into, you know, owning this baseball team. He decided, you know what, I'm going to change the game. I'm going to take all the friction points and all the negatives about baseball, and I'm going to focus on entertainment, not baseball. So it's basically the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. Mm-hmm. And it's like a baseball and a circus breaks out. Mm-hmm. So I um, I messaged him on LinkedIn after I read his book. And I said, guess what? You motivated me to write my own book. And you're like my spirit animal. You do the opposite of normal. And I just just he, his story resonated with me so much. Well, he wrote me back and I said, I'm going to be bold enough to ask you, I want to be on your podcast. So he put me on the podcast and uh, we were supposed to go out to go behind the scenes and take personal tour with him. And then COVID happened. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I found out they were coming to Oklahoma city last week, week before last. And I said, Jesse, you're coming here. I want to feature you on Selling Oklahoma City as our our feature. And so I got to spend the day with the players and him. And, you know, he has my book. I've got a photograph with him with my book and me with his book. And it was just an incredible experience. And that just was born out of me reaching out to someone that impacted me and influenced me. And anyone can do that. Look at all the things that came after I did that. Yeah. And what's the worst that could happen? He doesn't write you back, right? Right. Or on, yeah, he's too busy. Right? I mean, I get it. So right. yeah, right. I mean, like take the chance. You, you know, the, the lesson there though, and, and Rory, I'll get to you in a second, but the lesson there is that everyone else is a human on the other side of the yeah, computer, right? You, you, you messaged him on LinkedIn, right? He's a human. Mm-hmm. He watches TV programs. He likes drinking beer, wine, soda, whatever it is. Like yeah. he likes some of the same stuff that we all like. And something resonated in your message that got him to say, okay, I'm going to write back to this person. And then it turns into, you know, what you've just described. Rory, you were going to say something. No, I mean, I was going to say it's precisely your willingness to to be different. I think that sets you apart in kind of, you know, earned all that with your clients. I mean, there are, it still surprises me to this day, even though I don't go to the same exact lengths that you've done for, you know, to celebrate those moments with your client. I don't literally have a red carpet or anything like that, (laughs) but it's amazing to me how many people don't even take the moment to say congratulations. um, Or show up to closing. Or that, (laughs) you know, Unless like it was the the hardest months of COVID, I don't see a reason why you can't show up to um to to a closing um and to be there and to congratulate them. Um, even if you don't have that same de- the degree of um of showmanship, which I think you should. I mean, that sets you apart. You know, understand that what for those clients, this is probably one of the happiest or the most stressful days of their mm. lives. And if you don't acknowledge it, um, be there with them for it, then you're not doing your job at all. Um, and that goes also for the, the closers and the title companies. Um, you know, this what we do and having these transactions happen is just so commonplace to us. We, you know, we see countless of these every single year. That day might not be important for us in the same sense it is for the clients, but we need our job is to make it important that day. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that for us, we've earned the right 
to be fun. We've earned the right to bring this quirky, spirited experience because when it's time to take, you know, care of business, we're keen negotiators, we're expeditious, you know, we're anticipatory. So they know that they have people that care about everything within their transaction as much as I would if it was my own parents. And they feel that and they know that. And so they welcome the fact when we do have fun, because if we didn't do a good job, you know, it wouldn't matter how much fun we have with our clients. We have to bring both of those things to the table. Um, let's talk about visualization a bit, you know, because about 10 years ago, you know, mm-hmm. you said you're really starting to plant all these seeds and, you know, you, you gave the, this would be an allegory of the uh, the farmer planting the seeds, you're going to have an abundant crop. Did you see yourself 10 years later where you are with the degree of success you've had and just the, um, the irreverency in which you, you know, lead your business and the importance that you've had, um, you know, in the lives of many? No, I really didn't. But I think that I I can tell you that I feel like I've moved from having to prove myself, you know, when you're told you can't do something, and you don't have what it takes to feeling like I did it. I Not that I've arrived, you know, you can always strive to do better, but I feel like I'm more purpose-driven. I'm not trying to prove myself anymore. And so I share my story a lot and I go around and, and speak at conferences and local events and local organizations and just share my story to try to empower and encourage and influence people, you know, to jump off the ledge mm-hmm. like like we did and get around a tribe of people that are challenging you and pushing you and believing in you. And sometimes that means abandoning the tribe that you have. Sometimes you feel yes. like people got plucked out of your life, but new people get transplanted. And that's what happened with us was the intentionality of surrounding ourselves with people that were more successful and that were going places we wanted to go and not necessarily in our industry um, and not just successful in business, but personal. I wanted to have a beautiful marriage and personal life too, not just have money, you know, ching, ching, ching in, in, in my bank account. It was much more than that. Yeah. Well, they all come together, you know, and this is a constant Mm -hmm. theme that we've heard, you know, from guests like yourself on the podcast that really have forged their own pathway. Uh, You know, they kind of get over the imposter syndrome of, you know, do I really know enough or am I good enough for this? And they kind of get the the self-confidence saying, yes, I'm the expert at this. People do want to listen to me. Like I can impact people's lives and here's how I could do it. And then they find their way to the tribe of people, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you just said something right there, like maybe having to get rid of some of the people that are holding you back in your life. And that that's a tough thing to do, right? Like if there are friends or there are people that yeah. you've hung out with for a while, but they're not going to be the motivating factor to get you to that next stage. There's a there's probably a a polite way to move forward. I mean, there's enough sunshine for all of us, but if you're around people that are negative and toxic, you know, we, we had to remove ourselves and love some people from afar. Yeah. Um, Before we get to our final questions, I want to ask about your book. Uh, I love the title out of the box. My response Mm -hmm. to everyone who said I could never sell real estate. And you have Mm -hmm. a, a lovely picture on the cover of you with just, you know, a big outlandish dress saying, screw you all. (laughs) <laughs> that's kind of how, that's how I In see essence, it. Yeah. 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 I just, I wanted to write a book about the unique marketing approaches that we've been able to use to exponentially grow and to encourage people to do things differently and, you know, find their own authenticity. Because if you just try to replicate me and make people do crazy things, like if my husband goes to closing alone, he's like, I can't get these people to do, you can get people to put on any hat, any mask, 
do anything. You can get grown men to dance, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, do boomerang photos. He said, it, you know, it has to go with who you really are. But I just wanted to encourage people, you know, and to use your, like I said, your mistakes and your trials, use those and be vulnerable and and show people who you are on your social media. Don't just show them that highlight reel because that's not what resonates with people. I get more engagement when I am saying something that was a challenge or a struggle than I do any day saying, look what I did. Mm-hmm. And no one cares. You know, they just, they want to know who we are at the core. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a great lesson. Also, it, it's tough for people to do that sometimes. It like, is. you know, everyone wants to see that rosy social media mm-hmm. po- profile that has the perfect pictures that, you know, have the right filter on them and you're, you're right. It's always success forward, but sometimes you learn from the mistakes and, you know, if you can learn from that and not make it again, then you've definitely learned from that mistake. Um, Rory, any final thoughts for Denise before we get to our final questions? No, I mean, you have me thinking about all the different points where I interact with clients um, in my businesses and, you know, what bit of authentic self am I introducing in those interactions? Um, you're right. Doing it your way wouldn't necessarily work for, for me, my personality, but, you know, I'm, you have me thinking through my processes when I talk to people, you know, what can I do to make that a memorable experience for them that, you know, is just an authentic, uh, you know, way to do it for myself. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah. I'm undergoing a rebranding myself also, you know, cause I left my job last year when they told me that it was no longer. And I said, well, we'll just do our short-term rental business. So we run our five short-term mm-hmm. rentals and our management company. And I've been kind of giving a peek behind the curtain a little bit more of late. I just need to find more time to do more of that. Um, mm-hmm. So that's one thing I've been working on this summer, but you know, I'm optimistic that I have a pretty good pathway forward, but I don't have a hard time showing you know, the good and the bad of this business. Right. Um, I'm not going to do it with a cartwheel and a handstand and a <laughs> Savannah Banana song. I don't know if that's my character, but I've mentioned this before in this podcast that people know that I've been doing short-term rentals for a long time, you know, even at my mm-hmm. old job. Uh, in fact, today I had a long text conversation with somebody at that position, at that job, you know, asking about real estate. I used to get lots of real estate questions at that job. Um, you know, so I think right now that transformation has been happening really well. And it's a, sl- it's a slow transformation, but mm-hmm. I think if there's more people now that know me as what I'm doing now than what I did, they didn't even know what I used to do anyway. My parents had no idea what I did for 25 years, right? You know, well, what knows. about doing a video a day? Like I have a real estate coach and she's being challenged by her real estate coach to do one reel a day. And it mm-hmm. might be 30 seconds of just like a tip, but it's like, they're never going to forget what you do and that you're, you know, we, we do a mix too. We're not mm-hmm. just business. I mean, we're people know that we have a good time. We work hard, but we play hard and mm-hmm. we show that. So, you know, do a mix of everything. Uh, it's definitely not all my stuff is definitely about real estate. Cause I don't want people to mute me because they're like all she talks about. So I'm very, very careful to let it be more about doing life with us and make them feel like they're doing life with us, not Mm -hmm. being sold to. Right. Because real estate is part of your life, but it's not everything Mm -hmm. that you have. You know, you have lots of other things with your life going on. And I didn't ask you about the Food Network show. You know, I I asked you off camera of that, but you have to tell the story about, about your casting call for that one. Yeah. So, um, like I was telling you, I didn't, I don't watch the food network or didn't because I don't cook. So that didn't resonate with me. So I got nominated, um, for the show and, you know, they call me, I get an email and I'm like, who, what is this? 
And so I was on the casting call, like doing kind of the FaceTime thing because everything, you know, is, is video. And I was going down this like curved stairway and I fell and broke my ankle. Um, but I got cast for the show and they wanted me to immediately get on a plane with my boot. And then once I'm a very competitive person. So once I talked to the casting director, I said, look, it's going to put me at a disadvantage if I get on that plane because you run like it's a timed, Mm -hmm. you know, you're running around that kitchen. I mean, so I said, I want to come when I get my boot off. So I waited till season 20. Mm-hmm. And it was great because every time we're doing an outtake, it says Denise, realtor. Mm-hmm. Well, I, when I was on this season, the winner of Worst Cooks, about three months later, she went home. She was a school teacher, a Christian clean comedian. And she actually had, we found out we were with her when she got the call. She was going to foster and adopt these three children, one of them being a three-year-old little girl. And she ended up murdering that little girl about three months after we wrapped the show. And so our entire season 20 of of my season of Worst Cooks of America got wiped because they Mm -hmm. didn't want any affiliation with her. So it's like it never happened. I mean, I have the footage from recording it myself, um, but it's like if, you know, anyone's out there trying to look for it, that's why you can't find it because of that tragedy. It was terrible. And I I was like, we would have never imagined, you know? Yeah. What did you cook? I cooked, I cooked, I burnt, I started fires, but um, I was known for my salmon tacos. She salmon told tacos. me off camera, you know, that uh, that they were pretty good. She would take bites of our stuff and spit them in buckets, but right. secretly was, I think she wanted to eat some of mine. That was the I improved the so much. <laughs> um, wow, that, that that's a wild story. So, you know, thank you for sharing that. Sure. Let's get to our final, our final questions and then we could... Um, let you know everybody where they where they could reach out to you if they sure. want to learn more about you, Denise. Uh, we ask these of all of our podcast guests just as a way of wrapping up the conversation and getting to know you a little bit better. First question, if you can get on stage for half an hour and talk about mm-hmm. any subject in the world with no preparation, what would that be? My daughter had an eating disorder that she almost passed. And so unfortunately, for about seven years of our life, I that was our life it encapsulated mm-hmm every thought and breath in me. So I would talk to parents about how to look for signs because it is kind of a silent epidemic. It's something that's very quiet and sometimes it's hard to recognize when your children have it. And so I would want to do that to help other parents because the stats are staggering with what both boys and girls. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, when you're on Oprah, you know, affecting millions of people with what you were saying and having that that vulnerability that, you know, continues to ring true with everything you're saying, Denise. The second question, tell us something that happened early in your life or career that impacts the way that you're working today. Probably just, you know, being pushed on stage to sing, you know, when I could barely talk and um just having a microphone put in my hand and my mom saying you can sing and and just being encouraged to to be myself my mom always encouraged me to be myself i felt like i got my wings clipped a little bit when i got in a relationship that was pretty dysfunctional but once i got out of that and got remarried i i've been able to fly and it makes a difference when you have a partner that allows you to truly be who you are yeah. We, we haven't talked about your husband, but he's involved with your business, right? 
He is. I know yeah. it's kind of sad because he's a big part of our of our business. Um, I do, you know, most all the marketing and I drag him into shamelessly making fun of him on on TikToks and so mm-hmm. forth. He's like, I call him the model of our our real estate company. But yeah, he does, he plays a huge part. Right. And this this is Troy, right? Troy, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, our final question for you, Denise, uh, tell us something you're listening to or watching or reading these days. Anything in the world? Right now, I am starting to read, I just got it in the mail today, Banana Ball. So it's Jesse Cole's new book. And mm-hmm. it's about how he created this, um, basically the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. So yeah. If, uh, if you're listening to this and you have not checked out the Savannah Bananas, you have to you check have them out. You have to. Yeah. And like, you know, you've maybe you've seen them in random clips that get, you know, circulated onto your Instagram feed because they're just so popular. I think a couple mm-hmm. days ago, I randomly saw a clip of like some umpire doing the worm in between pitches. Yes. Le- and that's just what they do. That's the Savannah Bananas. So um, yes. we could all learn a lot from them. And they've never spent one marketing dollar. Wow. It's all organic. Yeah, yeah. I will I will check their book out as well. That's that's a really good tip. That actually that's the first time it's come up on the podcast, right? Rory? Oh, good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> um, so Denise, how can people reach out to you if they want to learn more about you by your book? We'll put all the oh, links sure. in the show notes. Yeah. So I'm really easy to find on Instagram. Denise D N I S E sells Oklahoma. And on Amazon, you can find my book. Um, it's called Out of the Box. And if if you do read it, I would love to hear feedback. That's just really gratifying and it, and it helps me. I'm working on another project and writing another book. And so I'd love to hear feedback from this one. And what's great about your Instagram is, again, it's not just all listing photos of all the properties you've sold. In fact, that's the minority. You know, it's right. mostly it's mostly you. So people get to know you. Um, so yeah, so I encourage you to go pick up Denise's book, follow her on Instagram, learn more about her and learn more, learn how to be irreverent. That's what we have to do, right? Rory, like we have to be authentic and just out there. Yeah. Not too polished. Too <laughs> polished sometimes goes the wrong way. I'm challenging yeah. you guys get out of your boxes. Yeah. It's easier for some of us. I'm pretty good with getting out of my box, but you know, Rory, we're working on you, right? <laughs> working on me. Yeah. Uh, where can people reach out to you, Rory, if they want to learn more about you? Um, you can find me either through my real estate brokerage, that's Next Home Tettletown, nexthometettletown.com, or my law practice, Urban Village Legal, that's Urban Village Legal. And maybe you'll find me at the Savannah Bananas game coming up. Jason, I didn't <laughs> tell you, but I put you on the, us on the wait list for, the, um, for tickets for the Portland Maine game that's coming up in a couple months. Wow. Did, You're going to you love it? it. I did a couple days ago. Like oh, how random. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, hopefully we'll get tickets for that. And you we'll guys have, have a great time. Yeah. We'll have to let you, get, let you know how it goes. Um, Denise, thank you so much for being a guest on our thank podcast. You. I think that there's this, uh, the conversation kind of went in a direction that I wasn't expecting. And it was delightful that it did because we learned a lot about um, breaking down walls and being authentic and reinventing yourself um, and just being you and then the success will come finding a niche being honest with that niche uh i think that these lessons you know ring with all industries not just real estate and real estate law professionals but um you know if you've enjoyed this episode uh you know hopefully you could take some of what denise practices just as an everyday breathing occurrence and work it into your into your day um if you want to reach out to me and you want to be a guest on the podcast, you can email me, Jason, at nexthometitletown.com. Uh, you could drop a review or a comment. We love both of those as long as they're good. <laughs> Denise, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for uh, having me. R- Rory, thanks once again, and we will see you next time.
This has been the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures, and law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. We're powered by Next Home Title Town, Greater Boston's progressive real estate brokerage. More at nexthometitletown.com. And Urban Village Legal, Massachusetts Real Estate Council, serving savvy property owners, lenders, and investors. More at urbanvillagelegal.com. Today's conversation was not legal advice, but we hope you found it entertaining and informative. Discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Thank you for listening.